few things in this world bring me more indigestion than the news that Francis has some new writings up his sleeve. Yeah, I know. I've got a pretty sensitive stomach, but few things in this life tie my stomach into more knots than the knowledge that Francis has some new writing coming down the pipe for all of us. Not even hearing that he has given Eugenio Scalfari yet another interview. He's done that 20 times in his pontificate, at least. And at this point, most of us just sigh and ignore when that happens. No, the knowledge that Francis has decided to get his team of ghostwriters together to put together his third papal encyclical has definitely caused some indigestion. And saying that he has ghostwriters do it for him is not an insult. That's the practice of virtually every pope in the last few hundred years. And yes, he has only had three encyclicals penned in his presumed pontificate, counting this one. The first was Lumen Fide. is widely known to have been started by Benedict, and then adjusted and finished by Francis and his ghostwriters. And then there's Laudato Si, which was the first encyclical that was 100% Team Francis. And we all know what came of that document. Some of you might say, well, what about Amoris Laetitia? Well, that document isn't an encyclical. It's a post-synodal exhortation, which is basically a summering and filtering of what a synod, a synod taught through the sensibilities of the reigning pontiff, which was exactly like what Cardia Amazonia was also. And the difference is that this is backed by the full authority of the Pope and used to direct business in the church and its messaging with that authority in mind. So let's get into this fun story because I can't think of a better way to kick off the week than to let everyone share in my indigestion. Not much is known about it at this point, but Bishop Domenico Pompili has given us what few details there are. To Alatea we go. Quote, Bishop Pompili said the theme of the upcoming encyclical is human fraternity. The prelate was speaking at an organizational event for the 800th, 800th anniversary of St. Francis's rule, to be celebrated in 2023, end quote. If you don't recall, last year, Francis signed a joint statement and authored the creation of a prayer center that had three temples on it, one of which is a Catholic church. I can't comment here on the rest these days, but that document, which I did put on this channel when it was released, caused such a stir that for the better part of a year, the good auxiliary bishop of Kazakhstan spent time publicly asking Francis for clarification and for affirmation that it fell within the guidelines of what the church always taught, which often it conflicted with, at least in writing. Which, at first, it appeared that he got what he wanted, that Francis did give the bishop of Kazakhstan what he asked for. Until later, he didn't, which caused that good bishop of Kazakhstan to then write, several public letters that rather overtly accuse the pontiff of heresy. That's a pretty big deal in and of itself, and I cover that extensively here. It's one of the reasons why I can't say the good Bishop of Kazakhstan's name on this channel anymore, weirdly enough. Now, it appears that Francis is going to write an encyclical on the subject, and he's going to t time it to the 800th anniversary, the promulgation of the rule of St. Francis of Assisi. That rules the guiding, well, rules for the Franciscan monks, written by and published by Pope Honorius III in 1223 in his papal bull Solet Anwar. It may record, I may record and upload it shortly for a Saturday upload if people want, so maybe in the next couple weeks you should see that. The point with that is that Francis ties things to his namesake, St. Francis of Assisi. He does it quite frequently. Often it's done in what almost looks like a bizarre parody of a devotion to him. 
The most well-known example of this was the enthronement of Pacamama, which was done on the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi on October 4th, 2019. St. Francis always gets sort of repackaged in the modern world as sort of the, you know, patron saint of, I don't know, the green, everything green. And yes, the enthronement of a green demon was done in the Vatican Gardens on a day commemorating the friar who gave up everything to preach the gospel and to embrace poverty. There's some irony there. The event kicked off the Amazon Synod, which was very entertaining in a depressing kind of way, and that followed an event that earlier in the year could safely be described as an international meeting of stone cuttery, with the signing of the document on fraternity. I mention that group in particular because fraternity is a concept that comes from France right around 1789, and it's not one that has ever been embraced by the Catholic Church. The values of France at that time have been rather soundly rejected by the Vatican, and for rather good reason. Now, I'm sure that everyone out there that posits the idea that Francis is a luminous pope, that he can do no wrong at all, or will, and that everything he says that we must submit to, even if what he says and does contradicts what has been previously taught by the church. That's not true, of course, but there are those who will say that, showing that they have a profound misunderstanding of the concept of papal infallibility. And what will the thrust of this encyclical be? It will be fraternity in the context of a post-current situation environment, one to bridge divides, one that gets at the quote of the roots of the physical, spiritual, and social infirmities in a post-current situation reality. Cardinal Perlin, one of the shining examples of the Roman Curia that brought Malachi Martin's writings to vivid life, says the principles of Catholic social teaching should be applied to strengthening human dignity, not economics in the post-situation reality. Quoting from a piece in Catholic Philly, quote, The priority is not the economy as such, but the human person. He responded to Carlo Di Chico, former assistant editor of the Vatican newspaper La Salvatore Romano. He said that this situation proves Francis's rather obviously true statement that everything is interconnected. The emphasis here, Perlin says, is the interconnection of people everywhere, citing John Twenty-Third and his response to the dangers of the Cold War. And normally that should be all fine, except... It's going to be obviously concerning for everyone, given that this is a bizarre comparison, to say the least, to the Cold War, and, well, every, given every all the other rhetoric we hear now. Perlin goes so far as to say that he hopes our situation provides people a means to reflect and a path to conversion. Now, normally, if a prelate says something like that, it sounds pretty good. But remember, he's talking about this in a universalist sense, and in a sense of fraternity, not in embracing the gospel message of our blessed Lord. Unless I miss something because not once was there a reference to the real work of St. Francis of Assisi, which if you're familiar with that, you'll see why they, you'll know why they didn't do that. Because St. Francis of Assisi's message was to spread the gospel and not whatever this is. There is something deeply ironic about St. Francis of Assisi being invoked as much as he has been by this pontificate, all things considered. This all comes on the heels of Francis participating in an event with Others that he would certainly say were equals in station to him for the, committee, the Committee of Fraternity at the Vatican in May of this year. Yes, it takes three months for the wheels of the Vatican to really get moving for new initiatives. But one, this is, one thing is for certain here, the Stonecutters endorsed the existence of the Committee for Fraternity and its work, which should be revealing, but wasn't widely reported, and again, for pretty obvious reasons. That same group endorsed the language of Laudato Si, and the movements that have sprung from it. And trust me when I say encyclicals can be extremely, extremely influential. 
after my own research for my dissertation, which was related to Laudato Si, I can tell you for a fact that that encyclical had a ginormous, to use a fake word, impact on the life of the church. There were numerous uh, lay groups and other sorts of uh, organizations, and you saw parishes citing that document on their website for things that were, well, pretty new in the, in the life of the Catholic. So, in other words, we all have very much to be cheerful for because the ape of the church continues to be overtly manifest itself. It has taken decades for many to notice, but that manifestation is becoming pretty clear now to a fair number of the faithful. It'll be interesting to see what this document has in store for us. At this stage, there was no announcement for a release date as of yet, but if I were a betting man, I would say early in 2021. I doubt they'd release this in the run-up to Christmas, especially with everything else that will be going on at that time. And we got the announcement about Laudato Si' at least six months before that came out, if not earlier than that. So what do you think about this? I, for one, will at least provide a cogent commentary of the document when it comes out. I may do it live like I did with Caridia Amazonia, but I'll do my best to accurately report on this for you. But let me know what you think about this in the comments, please. And remember, prayer and fasting is probably the best response we can have to this at this stage. And it would be the response of St. Francis of Assisi, at least part of his response, because he was also pretty known for being very upfront with his opinions and willing to bring them to your attention if need be. So please pray for the church. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.